Welcome to another episode, Middle Ground with JLE. He will retreat you like family. Have another great guest for you today. We have the founder of the JSB Business Solutions Group, Juwan Buford. I'm saying it right? Yes, indeed. It's okay. um it's yes, it's JSB Business Solutions Group, Juwan Buford. Okay. Yes. Welcome to the show, sir. Oh, glad to be here, man. Thank you for the invitation. I tell people a little bit about yourself. Well, at the end of the day, I'm an entrepreneur, and I, and I just start there, right? Um, okay. I've been self-employed and building entrepreneur endeavors, wow, since my early 20s. I started out in the banking industry. Um, just saying it reminds how old I am. Oh, my gosh, like 24 <laughs> years. <laughs> Over 20 yeah, you got a lot of your LinkedIn, man. Yeah, man, yeah. Um, started out in the banking industry, fresh out of college. Um, it's a fascinating story behind that, but maybe... We'll kind of get around to that. But, um, and I lasted all of three months. Um, I went through the orientation training. They placed me at the branch downtown at the time. It was Standard Federal Bank um, before the multiple buyouts, AB and AMRO, now Bank of America. And, you know, they gave me a goal. They said I had to raise over a million dollars in new revenues. And, oh, wow. you know, I'm fresh out of college. You know, I've never managed more than thirty dollars or $50,000 um, mm. before in my lifetime. And now they're saying I have to go out and secure over a million dollars. But, you know, I see the tall buildings. I see the suits. <laughs> That's a lot, you know, man. It's, it's attorneys, business owners walking in and out of the bank. I said, okay, I got this. You know, okay. um, you know you're young. You're ambitious. Um, mm -hmm. Even a degree of willful ignorance can be good sometimes, right? Um, and so True. I figured I got this right. And then literally a week later, they moved me to a branch off of West Grand Boulevard and uh, Woodward. And if you remember what things were like back then, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> none of the business development. <laughs> so oh, wow. it, was oh, it was basically me. little old ladies walking into the bank, you know, yeah. uh, cashing their social security checks and leaving $2 <laughs> in the account. So wow. they moved me to a different location, but the um, the goals hadn't changed. Their expectations plus hadn't changed. So I remember the branch manager, like it was yesterday, we were looking at each other, and we were both basically posting our resumes elsewhere. We were looking for another <laughs> job, okay? Um, <laughs> okay. Long story short, um, did it in a three-month period of time. Okay. Matter of fact, exceeded the goal. Um, not only in terms of bringing in new investment dollars, but also mortgage origination, um, despite the, the challenging environment that we were in. And um, I remember like it was yesterday, man, uh, I'm attending certain meetings out in Troy where the headquarters were located at, um, made it in the banking news, all that fun stuff. And a couple of weeks later, I received a thank you uh, letter. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be promotions, going to be bonus. You know, I'm, I'm doing it right. I'm leveling up, man. It, it was a $50 Marshall Fields gift card. Oh, no. <laughs> All that work. 50, oh, no. $50 Marshall Fields gift card. Oh, man. So at that point, um, let's just say I was not enthused about the banking industry anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> I can believe that. Yeah. And, that. you know. I did something I would, I would not encourage anyone to do. I was a single parent at the time, um, no network. You know, I attended the University of Michigan, but the bottom line is, man, I grew up 
for the most part, Highland Park, West Side Detroit, okay. um, between um, Joy Road and Chicago near Evergreen. So you know what that neighborhood is like if you're a Detroiter. Yeah. So it's not like I had a network of people who earned 100000 or 250 or a million dollars a year. I basically had no real network. Like, I remember people were, you know, when I graduated from school, they were telling me, um, you know, they were asking me for money as if somehow because I attended college, somehow I had money falling from the sky like manna, right? And that just wasn't the case. Um, yeah. But I did it, man. I, I literally, I completed my resignation letter that day. I remember the manager eyeballing me. She already knew what I was doing. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, had, I had no savings, no nothing. I just assumed that, look, you know, because of my work ethic, my desire to learn and help people that I, I could grow wings, right? I could jump and grow wings on the way down. Um, and um, I started out uh, with Signature Financial, which is the broker dealer for John Hancock at the time, now Manny Life. Um, took on a couple affiliate relationships with other insurance companies. Um, and I started my investment advising practice. And it was terrible, man. <laughs> I'll be frank. The first two years, were like ramen noodles and milk every single day. Ooh. I made sure my daughter ate well, but I, you know, personally, I was struggling. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. I was still showing up to work, determined, smiling. But to give you an idea of the environment I worked in, I remember my first day. Um, they sat me down at a desk with the yellow pages. They didn't even bother to give me a script. They just sat me down and said, go to work. And that what? was it. No training, no real onboarding. I oh. wasn't part of the network, right? I wasn't expected to win, so they didn't expect to have to invest in me. And um, basically, I found out um, after the fact that there was actually a bet going on in the office. They had pulled their money. And it was actually an ongoing bet to see how soon I would quit. And wow. I tell you, I think That's a lot of my... Yeah. <laughs> And I'll tell you, a lot of my success, I could attribute to plain stubbornness. I was just like, you know what? I am not going to fail. I'm the only pepper in the office if you catch my drift. And I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of seeing me fail. I understand that. Right? Um, in my mind, I'm smarter than them. I work harder than them. I may not have the social capital due to my complexion and, and socioeconomic background they have, but I'm going to find a way. Um, and thankfully, I was able to do so. Um, and so, you know, my business mentors later on down the line taught me something I kind of learned the hard way by bumping my head is that your ideal clients are people who can afford your services, True. people who are looking for your service. They might not know exactly how, what the solution, how the solution is packaged, but they're looking for what you do okay. and they make blank decisions, right? They don't wait until the muffler is dragging, the car's on fire, the engine light's on and smoking, right? They, they see a problem, they make a decision to resolve it. So for me, that meant targeting business owners. They had the disposable income, because keep in mind, I didn't have a network. I didn't have family members and friends who were earning six, seven figures. So I had to go where the money was at. Mm -hmm. I immediately took aim at business owners. Um, and so by doing that, and learning, figuring that out early on and then being groomed later on to work in that industry, um, that's how I was able to get through. And, you know, just like in any business endeavor in the beginning, um, 
you're doing a lot of work and you're not earning a lot of money. Right? You do a lot of work that you don't get yeah. paid for, right? So later on, you can be compensated for work you no longer have to do. So, you know, good two, three years into it, you survive, you figure it out, you're learning how to be a professional. Um, another two years into it, you're learning how to be an entrepreneur, meaning you know who your target market is, you know who you want to serve, you know how you want to serve, you know how to deliver your value prop, and you know how to find the people that you're looking for or attract them, right? Okay. And so at some point, your money starts to catch up with your experience. And, you know, to be transparent with you, I made a lot of dumb decisions that a lot of people make. I spent money that I shouldn't have spent when I had it um, and made dumb decisions in terms of relationships, people I surrounded myself with and people that I haven't allowed in my close to the vest in my circle, um, but still was over to overcome those things as well. And right when I was really, quote unquote, getting it in, I remember... Um, I had had my first $30,000 day in business, went out, um, nice. you know, took in some business, $30,000 payday. Um, it was around 2008. If you remember 2008. Oh, the crash. <laughs> <laughs> you can so get hit hard when that happened. I had made all these dumb decisions. You know, oh, buying wow. vehicles and buying things and putting Ooh. myself in situations. Um, Ooh, sorry, homeboy. Sorry, yeah. no. So Dang. at that point, um, I decided, okay, I just literally watched almost a decade of blood, sweat, and tears disappear overnight. I said, like, I got to find something different. Um, I need to spread my wings. Um, I need to put myself in a different kind of environment okay. um, where my skill stack and my love for entrepreneurship and helping entrepreneurs level up uh, would serve me better. Right. Um, and, you know, that is going to be a common theme here. You know, for me, I believe entrepreneurship and empowerment. I'm not saying everyone is ready for full time entrepreneurship, but we don't need everyone to be full-time entrepreneurs. We just need more. You know, if you're sick and tired of last hire and first fire, entrepreneurship is an answer. Um, if you don't like how your elected officials are treating you, well, there's two ways to vote, right? One way to vote is at the ballot box. I encourage that. I'm about that life. Um, the other way to vote is by paying for the campaigns of the candidates who you feel like actually deserve your vote, right? That's yeah, how really you get involved. Impact too, right. Absolutely. And as entrepreneurs, we can be influential. Uh, we can make change in our neighborhoods and control what happens at our kitchen table and beyond. Um, we can put ourselves in position to influence other people in our environment um, just because of the very nature of entrepreneurship and the fact that we are asset uh, monetary and job creators. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, early on, you know, I was. A community activist and that never went anywhere i was just kind of looking for the tool to help my community and myself level up okay. and for me entrepreneurship was it and that's why i had such a deep um abiding faith and commitment to it and so when i transitioned i said well i have all these years of experience right walking in and out of households in and mm -hmm. out of offices for over a decade probably meeting about 10 to 15 business owners a week Okay. So in that experience, you learn some things, you meet some people. And now I have this network, um, but I also had receipts, right? From all the people I had helped out, from all the people that I had served. 
And I also, being self-employed, where the bottom line is you don't earn a buck unless you get up and go to work. You got to show up even when you don't feel like it. Like, you have, yes, having to develop that entrepreneurial muscle, I started positioning myself more as a B2B entrepreneur. So I'm still out here building my practice. I'm still out here. Took on a couple affiliate relationships, PPLSI, a B2B solutions company. Some people know it as Legal Shield. I was utilizing that service to serve entrepreneurs. I was utilizing my experience and technical expertise to help entrepreneurs solve problems going on in their business. And so I slowly made that transition, um, started fast forward today, um, continued to skill stack. And now I work within the real estate industry, helping to solve problems there for entrepreneurs and investors and have my hands on a couple other projects. But at the core of everything I do is putting myself in a situation where I can serve individuals who want to make the transition from W-2 to 1099. Um, you know, there was a, a news broadcast, I think it was CSNBC. I don't watch the news much anymore. It's one of those stations. Okay. Um, and it's, it's a, they brought up an issue that's really been igging me over the last 10 years. And it just came home when I saw the broadcast where they indicated that while the spending power specifically within the African-American community has gone up, I believe they said 144%. 1. Um, 1.3 trillion. Yeah. Over our, so you already know where I'm going with this. A year. I learned but, that in business school at Wayne State. But the shocker, right, was that our net worth actually went down by double digits during the same wow. period of time. Wow. So our spending power went up over 100% over a 20-year period of time. But our net worth, right, went down double digits. Spend the money and, we don't have. Well, it's a lot of different things, right? You know, for me, because I saw the responses that they went out and found people to interview about the issue, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, one of the first things people talk about is spending money you don't have. And that's very true. But you know what? What I learned um, as an investment advisor, and I had clients who were Caucasian, white, African-American, East Indian, Arab, Asian, mm -hmm. it didn't matter, right? I was very fortunate that I understood how to kind of navigate certain circles, so I had a diversity of clients. And I'll tell you, the one thing I learned is African-Americans don't have a monopoly on frivolous spending. No, we are, we are doing no, We don't have a monopoly on frivolous spending. We don't have a monopoly on ignorance. We don't have a monopoly on bad decisions. Every group of people, no matter how you demographically segment them, they have individuals in their communities that make dumb decisions and don't spend wisely. But nevertheless, our net worth went down. And I really believe entrepreneurship's an answer to that. The reality of the matter is we don't have equity. We don't have agency and how money is distributed, how capital is acquired, and how it is deployed. And in my mind, that is the primary reason, right? Mm -hmm. um, of course, we can change our own spending habits, which is why I'm about that life, about entrepreneurs, right? Keeping money in the family. You know, the other thing that individuals did not talk about during that interview, which I found very puzzling, was the fact that, look, everybody spends our money. Everybody spends our money. You know where I'm going with this, right? Everybody gets our money. They spend our money. So, of course, if I am a white American and I'm getting the dollars from my community, 
who chooses to do business with me primarily. I'm receiving the dollars of other ethnic groups and I'm receiving the dollars. So I'm spending my money as a Caucasian. I'm spending Asian Americans money. I'm spending African Americans money. I'm spending Latino Americans money. That means I have a lot more resources to pull from. Now, let's be real. Here in each metropolitan area, with, with a couple exceptions, the majority of African Americans, particularly the small business owners, the bottom line is if we don't support ourselves, no one's supporting our business. Okay. The majority of African American yeah. business owners, the majority of the clientele, easily 80, 90, some of us, 100% of our clients are going to be African American. Other people do not spend money with us at that clip. Right? No more. So they as don't. a result, we have, we're, we have far less, our business are far less capitalized for that reason alone, right? And that's something that we need to have a real conversation about. That's part of the challenge, right? The fact that if we don't support our own businesses, our businesses fail. And that's a conversation needs to be had. Um, it's not simply the fact that we spend um, irresponsibly sometimes. We spend irresponsibly in other people's community. Or... Yeah those individuals come to our community they take advantage of our spending habits and they become wealthy in the city of detroit and then they take our dollars to suburbs. and they take it up yeah so you know we talk about why that's so that's at the heart of it right um you know systemically how african americans are denied access to capital you know um you know, Mr. Johnson, the individual who owns, um, I think it was Black Enterprise. I think that was the one they interviewed. You know, he immediately talked about home ownership. The home ownership in and of itself is not going to do it because if African Americans by and large are not acquiring or having access to the same amount of capital that other people have access to so they can buy larger homes, so they can build more equity. Even if you're buying homes at a high clip, you're still falling behind. True. Right? So we have to kind of address those things. I mean, of course, there's a lot of things we can do not to self-sabotage. Of course, there's a lot of things we can do to improve our circumstances. We can take ownership agency in terms of what transpires from household to household. But at the same time, let's not forget about the fact that there are some structural changes that need to occur. Um, we still have a couple fights out there we need to pick. Right. Now, a lot of like, I'm sorry, man. I just got warmed up. Oh, no problem. It's, like, I know it's a lot of conversations it. I've encountered. Yeah. It always be well of a black business is not professional. The customer service suck. Mm -hmm. And I already go for other cultures because they're going to understand the customer is always right and have everything Don Perignon first class compared to. It's bootleg. You got tape holding everything up. I ain't mess with them. Like, well, that's yep. not every black business, though. Mm -hmm. That's like the mm -hmm. stick with a small no. black business. Not everybody. You know, my, you know, my business mentor, a business mentor of mine taught me that the most important story that you'll ever hear in life is the story you tell yourself about yourself. Okay. And the reality of the matter is those of us who know better, we have to stamp that narrative out. Because it's just not true. You no, know, I have a, um, a client who's Arab American. Man, he talks about his brothers and cousins and other business owners like a dog. <laughs> he talks about them worse than we talk about ourselves. Okay? <laughs> he goes in on oh, other Arab 
business wow. owners, regardless of industry. Wow. Part of the reason why we get along is he knows when he gives me a phone call, I am one of my one of the 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 actions I live by um, is providing uplifting service, going above and beyond what's expected. Okay. That's why he's a client of mine because he knows I'm going to go above and beyond his expectations. Um, look, the bottom line is no other people's sugar is not sweeter, their water is not cooler. Um, you're going to get the treatment wherever you spend your money or wherever you spend your money where people don't respect you. Let's put it that way. So we got to stamp that out. The bottom line is, um, yes. I mean, I can tell you, you know, one of the biggest issues we have in the Detroit metropolitan area, and this will probably get me in a little bit of trouble, but, you know, one advantage of being successful as an entrepreneur is you have a little bit more leeway to say what you want to say, right? Um, so I'm going to go there. One of the biggest issues I've seen from that standpoint, without being completely dismissive of it, is look, for the longest, Detroit kind of operated in its own little world, its own little capsule, right? Um, okay. That's why the culture is so thick. That's why it's so rich. That's why you can be anywhere in the world, Florida, you can be in Mexico, Canada, you be anywhere, and a Detroiter knows a Detroiter when we see one, right? Yeah. It's a media hit. Hey, what up, Bill? Yep. Oh, what yep. up? He's on the D. Okay. Yep. Only takes two, three minutes. Like, that's a Detroiter. Yeah. Like, the flip side of that is Detroit kind of operated and developed in and of itself. There was no diversity of ideals and there was no real competition, right? So, if you're an African American business owner and the only place where African Americans can conduct business is with you, or if you're in an environment where it's by black first, nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, what's the gentleman name that preaches B1 all the time? It's terrible. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. The professor that has a, little, has, has a following on YouTube. Um, but it'll probably come back to me in a moment. Um, uh, voice Watkins? Voice Watkins, right? Um, you know, he's B1, right? What he promotes. Well, what ended up happening is Sometimes when you are in a situation where you have a monopoly over a market, you take things for granted. Yeah, that happens. Because you assume that you're going to patronize me. I don't have to level up in terms of the service. I don't have to improve. I don't have to get better. I don't have to take measures. You get, you get lazy. Yeah. Right. So I think there is some of that that exists within the community but not nearly to the extent to which we allow that narrative to hold sway. Um, the majority okay. of the African-American entrepreneurs and business owners and period, Detroiters, regardless of this city that I work with and deal with on my daily basis, they are 100% committed to being competitive. Okay. They realize that they have to compete not just against people here in the Detroit metropolitan area, but against people all over the world, right? And they're committed to offering the best service. They're committed to seeing their clients level up and grow and be prosperous because we believe that a rising tide lifts all ships. The best way to help other entrepreneurs out or to make the ecosystem more fertile is to serve your clients and help their life chances and, and solve their issues and problems so they can be more profitable, right? So okay. that's the majority of us. And I just refuse to let that narrative um, 
overshadow the fact that you do have a lot of African Americans who have legitimate businesses who are doing exceptionally well, helping a lot of people. And we, we do ourselves a disservice by saying that. Like I said, I have too many clients from different ethnic groups where I'm sitting on the phone with them. I'm sitting in the room and I'm watching them dog each other out like wow. lazy dog belching, et cetera. You know, <laughs> all right. So oh, man. I, I had to, I had to deal with that right quick. So what does the JSB business solutions group offer as a business? So the problem we primarily solve is this look as an entrepreneur. Um, if you've been around for more than three to four years, Usually you figure some things out, right? So you've, you've learned, you beta tested your product or service. So people are buying your product service. You've reached a point where you've grown comfortable enough to lean in and ask for people to part with their hard earned currency to support you, right? Okay. After that period of time, you probably have a good idea in terms of how to attract or at least how to find your clients, else you wouldn't have been in business that long, right? Mm -hmm. um, you have a good idea in terms of how to articulate your value prop. Um, maybe you have certain marketing tools that help augment that piece, right? So you're not having to get up and be the one articulating, you're using social media, you're utilizing evergreen content um, online, whether it be Google um, or YouTube. You figure some things out, right? Mm -hmm. But what ends up happening is you start bumping your head because you need to scale. In order for you to have a greater impact, in order for you to generate more revenues, you need to scale, which basically means you need to start doing what? Acquiring more talent. So when you're first starting out, you're wearing a million different hats. You're the chief financial officer, you're the accountant, yeah. you're the you know, you're the marketing person, you're the intellectual property person, phone call, text message, put out the fire person. You're doing all these different things. Yeah. And that's the difficulty of it. And hard work and talent takes you a long way. But teams win championships, right? True. And so what we basically do is we equip you with access to professionals. We start to wrap you around a network of teams to help take a lot of those challenges off the table. So legal matters, tax and accounting questions, having access to tools to help you more effectively market your business, um, making sure that you actually have a process in terms of onboarding employees and a process in terms of onboarding clients. See, the issue is as an entrepreneur, or let's say you're a highly skilled professional, right? Mm -hmm. So you've excelled in corporate America. You've developed a skill set, a certain a skill stack, a certain way of doing things. You start your business, you start hiring people, and you expect that they know what you know. You expect that they've developed the entrepreneurial muscle that you have. You expect that they have the toughness, right? They're, they're, they have the ability to learn, figure out things, and they can deal with the rigors you've had to deal with. And that's just not so. You have to literally write down your processes. You have to write down. You have to document how you onboard a client. What do you do once a client is onboarded? How do you serve them? And then what transpires afterwards? Same thing with um, staff and employees. You have to have an onboarding process. It's not enough yeah. as an entrepreneur. We do things that work. But when you make the when you're looking to level up and scale your business, you have to do things that duplicate. Right. So I hear a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners who will say, well, look, you know, I'm having a hard time finding employees. I'm having a hard time retaining employees. And look, I know that to be true. I'm not dismissing that. But one of the first questions I'll ask them is, what's your core value? What's your core focus? 
why does your business exist beyond just to earn a profit? Um, who do you want to serve? How do you want to serve? Who's ultimately your target market? In other words, who's the person that's looking for you? Once again, right? Has disposable income to pay for your services, willing to make a blink decision. Because everyone can't be your target market. If everyone's important, no one's important. You have to find the individuals that really dealing business, doing business that really makes your business profitable. And if you can't define those things, that means you can't give your your employees a track to run on. How effective can they be when not not being led properly? That's good right. Point. So what ends up happening is, you know, when I was a kid, I watched National Geographic a lot, right? Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, you see the lions chasing the gazelles. Mm-hmm. And we know the gazelles are faster than the lions. Maybe the lions can do 30, 40 miles per hour, but the gazelles can do 40 and 50 miles per hour. So one lion typically in and of themselves, they're not catching a healthy gazelle. Or even a gazelle that might be a little bit sick, they're not fast enough, right? No. So how do the lions catch the gazelle? Well, one starts sprinting towards it. Another lion starts sprinting towards it. Another lion starts sprinting towards it. Another lion starts sprinting towards it. And then what ends up happening is if you ever worked out before, you know, you reach a point where your muscles reach an anaerobic state. In other words, you start getting tired. Okay. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> that's what you call it, getting tired. You start <laughs> getting cramps. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's because the muscles are being forced to operate off glucose because you're running out of the oxygen and all the other resources, right? As your body fatigues. So that's what's happening with that gazelle. And so the lions know we keep chasing it. We keep harassing this gazelle. We kept, keep setting traps eventually it's going to tire and then they have their meal well you know what that's what's happening with entrepreneurs out here mm. all there you're you know you're running from issue to issue you're always dealing with the urgent so you never deal with the important and what ends up happening is when a pandemic transpires and it doesn't have to be just a health pandemic remember the 2000 uh when the bubble bust in 2000 with tech right 2008 yep. we had the uh, market crash because of what's going on in real estate. This time around, it was an economic downturn, depending on what side of the fence you were on, by the way. Um, economic <laughs> downturn that entrepreneurs, particularly small business owners, suffer from this time. Look, there's another one that's going to happen in three to four years from now, and then there's going to be another one. And if you haven't scaled, if you haven't grown, if you're day to day, if you're just putting out fires all day, every day, if the lions are constantly wearing you out and tiring you out, when the next pandemic transpires, you don't have the emotional, psychological, material, or capital resources to survive, and you end up going under, and it's a vicious cycle. What we actually do is we take you, that entrepreneur, and we help you put processes in place. We help you install operations. We help you define the values, define your focus, put processes in place where your business grows from a team of me to a team of we. So now, you're not waking up every morning and you're not everything to everybody. Now you can really focus on being a business owner. As a CEO of a company, you should only really be focused on a couple of things, growing the brand, marketing, and making sure you're finding the right talent to fill the spots that you need in the business to continue to grow it. You shouldn't be putting out fires every single day. You shouldn't be putting out every client services. You shouldn't be putting out every simple logistic issue. Every time some type of conflict occurs amongst your employees and staff or between a staff person and a client, you shouldn't have to be the one that gets involved in it. You should have systems and processes in place 
where your employees, number one, have a sense of agency in what transpires in the business. They're vested in it. And they also have the training, the track to run on to put those fires out so the business can run independently of you. That's the goal. That's the bag, right? To build yeah. a business that will grow, generate revenues, and exist and develop independent of you. That's where the freedom is found. And so that's what we do in a nutshell. Yeah. Lost work, bro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like I was just back in business school for me. Like he's breaking this thing down. Like okay, I feel that. Yeah, so man. I'm not. I'm not one of those individuals that read a book and watched the YouTube video. Now I'm out here entrepreneur dispensing advice. I've been living, breathing, doing it. I had someone ask me the other day. He said, "I need you to be my coach." I was like, "We gotta hold on. We gotta further define this relationship." I'm never gonna be your coach. And I'm an entrepreneur that's building businesses. But I am willing to set aside time to help other entrepreneurs do the exact same thing who are about that life. And I'm always about taking time when I can for initiatives like this show here. I love what you're doing here. I want to give you your flowers. We don't do that enough, by the way, in our community. I want to give you your flowers to the platform you're providing. I was listening to the other interviews. Man, you're providing some invaluable information to the community. So... I'm about that life, supporting other entrepreneurs and helping them level up and do what they need to do because I really believe the rising tide lifts all ships. So I thank you. I appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you doing it. So yes. what obstacles have you faced along the way? Huh. Oh man, what obstacles have I not faced? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I have to also say this right to be transparent with you i don't wake up in the morning thinking about obstacles i don't um i'm gonna talk about some difficulties and challenges that i've had and those that i find other people have had but i'm at the stage in my business where i really don't wake up focused on obstacles what you think about you bring about right True. um i spend the majority of my time asking myself just how can i get better Okay. How can I be more informed? How can I develop more skills? How can I become a better leader? Right? Because the only way you scale is to become a better leader, right? You have to learn how to lead people. It's one thing to know how to do something yourself. You have to learn how to inspire, motivate, teach, and lead people to do things. So I spend the majority of my time figuring out what do I need to do to grow, to become more today than I was yesterday? And what decisions can I make today to make sure I'm more capable tomorrow? And because of that mindset that I've adopted and a mindset that I try to inculcate in other entrepreneurs, we typically don't wake up thinking about our obstacles. Those obstacles get dealt with when you're proactive about growing and becoming more capable and becoming more valuable. As long as you're valuable, as long as you're able to serve someone, you'll always be in business. And the bigger the problems you solve, the more valuable you become. So, you know, I, I believe that's why a lot of the quote unquote obstacles and issues have that people have, I really don't deal with. Okay. Um, now, in the beginning, and to an extent, I am paying a price for the mistakes I made in the past, right? Okay. Um, so I am cognizant of that, right? I'm not going to be one of those entrepreneurs that sits up here and says, hey, look at my veneer. No, we all go through an ugly ducking stage, right? <laughs> um, True. So, you know, one of the first things I guess I would share that was an obstacle for me 
especially early on in my entrepreneur um, journey was what do we talk? Go to school, make good grades, go out, do what? Get a good job. Mm-hmm. But it's the exact opposite. As, as if you're going to grow and scale, you can't be everywhere all the time. Right. So that whole mm-hmm. idea, I'm going to be the smartest person in the room. I'm going to be the most talented person in the room. I'm going to be the most able person in the room. I'm going to outdo and outcompete everybody and everything. That was a huge error in judgment. Um, I haven't had, I would say I had a chip on my shoulder, right? I attended University of Michigan and I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder there, right? Because um, I'm in an environment where the average median income is two fifty, three hundred thousand. I'm seeing people buying cars that I, exactly, right? I'm seeing people live lives, have certain advantages that I didn't realize that some of the disadvantages I saw as disadvantages were really advantages for me. But, you know, we can talk about that in a moment if you want to go there. Um, but for me, that was the biggest mistake, right, early on. I had this chip on the shoulder. I felt like I always had to prove myself better than everyone else. And the bottom line is you'll never be better than everyone else. If you're, if once you start earning 100K, you learn that there are other people earning 200K. Once you start earning 250K, 250K, you start learning, oh, there are other people earning 500K. Mm-hmm. Once you start earning a million, you learn that other people out there earning 10 million and so on and so forth. So the objective is not to get better. The objective is to put yourself in environments where people who are better than you, smarter than you, more able than you, where even if you may be more intelligent than one way, they have certain intellectual acumen and other areas that you don't have. I didn't do enough of that early on. And I know okay. that set me back for a reason. Right. Um I wanted to always be the smartest, most impactful, effective person in the room. And sometimes I was okay with being that person. When the reality of the matter is, no, you don't want to be okay with that. You want to put yourself in environments where you're the weak link. Yeah, they can help you out. Right. But hold on. In saying that, though, you don't go there empty-handed. No, you bring some too. Yeah. You're bringing something to the table, too. So that is something that made a lot of mistakes in early on. Um, The other thing that I did is, look, um, as an African-American man, I didn't value myself. I I didn't value myself. When you really value and you understand your value and you also realize how significant your impact can be, you move differently. Well, what do you mean by you didn't value yourself? Well, for instance, you know, in our community, um, at least when I was coming up, I'll say this. You know, you're oftentimes judged on what your bravado. How many women you can pull? How much money you can spend somewhere? You know, how do you show up at the bar or at the club? Right. That's true. Um, You know, once again, there's a narrative out there about us, particularly as African-American men. And I'm going to go there, particularly as african-american heterosexual men there's a narrative out there about us and it is easy to fall into that trap into that narrative right when i was coming up it was what you had to be good at sports music pursuing women and and shining whatever that may mean to you right yeah but we're more valuable than that our impact is greater than that in the world we can make a greater contribution than that. 
And oftentimes, if once again, if you don't know your value, you invest in things and you put yourself in spaces that you just shouldn't be in. You get into conflicts that you should not be in. You start having issues and challenges that you should not be getting involved in, right? When you're when you know your value, you don't jeopardize your future. Nah. You see what I'm saying? You, you don't jeopardize your future. Um I'm trying to think of a metaphor that would be suitable. Um, you know, this past year we saw a lot of hip hop artists catch L's, lose their lives. Yeah. Right? Reach a certain degree where they're earning a certain amount of income. They are moving a certain type of way. They're starting to buy real estate. They're starting to get involved in the stock market. They're starting to to kind of overcome and transcend the circumstances that no doubt motivated and shaped them and helped them become what they were, but you have to evolve and you have to change. Once you start earning a certain type of money, once you start moving in certain circles, you can't be in the streets like that anymore. Nope. Gotta get off the block. You, can, you know, you can't be making yourself susceptible, um, you know, to, to other people around you who are looking to exploit you. People who look like you and don't look like you. Zora Neale Hurston said the best, all my skin folk ain't my kin folk. That is true. Um, you know, you know, dealing with certain women. Um, yeah. you know, that that's a huge downfall of a lot of African American men. You know, you get out here, once again, you're measuring yourself based on how many women you can get involved with, and then you have children who are born in circumstances as opposed to love. And you still have to deal with that. You still have to carry the weight. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with another brother, a young man. I was having this conversation with him. I said, look, man, you do know that if you don't find a way to become valuable, if you don't find a way to serve, if you don't protect yourself, there's no one coming to save you. Like homeless shelters aren't built for African-American men. You know, it's hard as an African-American man to be on the street begging for things, right? There's no mm -hmm. one coming to save you. There, There's a place for you. It's called the street, and it's called jail. And either way, they're not, not places you want to be. You have to, in early in your 20s, you need to be 100% focused on building your skill stack. You need to be 100% focused on becoming valuable, becoming more talented. Trust me. The vices that you are interested in now, they will be there. And, you know, I tell people all, particularly young men all the time, man, yeah. look, um, if you don't have money, you'll always have a difficult time with women. If you have your money right, you'll never have a difficult time with women. Get your ish together, right? So yeah. I know for me, I was distracted. I made some dumb decisions. I got involved with people and I got involved in relationships and circumstances that was a drain that curtailed my development and ability to scale and be the best person I could be. Right. That's an error in judgment. And that's a conversation we need to have more often in the African community because there's once again, there's a narrative that too many of us buy into. And we need more people who look like us, who who share our love for the community who are in our positions to be at the table and more often and not just be at the table, have agency over what happens at the table. And quite frankly, have agency over 
how we are perceived in the community, right? How people perceive us. We need to control our image. Um, so often when I'm looking at stuff, listening to stuff on the radio, I'm looking at um, television shows, movies, social oh, media in general, and a way in which we're portrayed. You think oh, yeah. that 90% of African Americans were in jail. You think 90% of us are out here having 20 million children. You think we're out here just being the complete and utter stereotype that, you know, existed back when Birth of the Nation, the original one, was introduced over a century ago. You think that's us when nothing could be further from the truth. So those are the things I think about in terms of errors and judgment that I made. Okay. Um, I think about the fact that, um, and look, I mismanaged my money. It, it makes me sick to my stomach to think of how much I earned ooh. and the fact that, ooh. And, I, and I'm not the worst, but I made some really silly decisions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it, it, I made those errors in judgment. That'll hurt you in business. Um, because the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So if you're not managing your personal finances right, when you start generating business revenues, you'll make those errors in judgment too. You need to get the expertise. You need to have conversations with people who have the expertise that you need to level up so you don't make the mistakes that typically take entrepreneurs and business owners on, or, or, uh, take them under. Um, I can say I haven't always had a CPA um, on speed dial. I do now. <laughs> I can't say that I haven't always had not one attorney, attorneys, because attorneys specialize. If you're doing real estate, you need real estate professionals. If you're dealing with tax and accounting matters, you need tax and accounting professionals. If you're making business decisions, um, particularly operation decisions, insurance, et cetera, et cetera, you need professionals who specialize in all those areas. You know, um, no one would hire a foot doctor to operate on their brain. That wouldn't make sense. No, it wouldn't. So what you want to do is as you come across challenges that you are not suited for, you have one, you have two choices. You can either learn those things yourself, which is very time consuming. Sometimes you need to, but a lot of times you don't. You should actually delegate that so you can focus on your strengths. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the last thing that for me was a challenge I had to overcome, an uh, error in judgment that I made. And to me, it's interesting even to reflect on that because I haven't, I don't necessarily get along with everybody. And a lot of that is because, quite frankly, I think for myself and um, I don't always care what other people think. <laughs> so, um, good way to and, be, though. And, and as an entrepreneur, sometimes you have to be that way, right? Um, it's not that I'm not empathetic to people. It's not that I don't care about what they're going through. It's not that I don't want to be a help or be a benefit to people. But at the same time, I understand part of being an entrepreneur is no excuses. The buck stops with me, right? Yeah. You can't win and make excuses at the same time. So you have to, you have to exercise an unreal, overarching, unreasonable degree of agency or an accountability in your business dealings because you you can't blame people and pay the bills at the same time right? yeah so protect your brand yeah so you have to be you have to protect yourself psychologically right so 
but at the same time, um, what I would say is I did spend a little bit too much time being a little bit too sensitive to, okay. to um, individuals, thoughts, perspectives, or ideals mm-hmm. of what it is I was doing. Um, and when I reached a point where I really just overcame that too as well, because there's levels to it, right? And mm-hmm. in order for me to scale to the next level, I had to reach another level of maturity and confidence in what I was doing as well. And that took a lot, right? To be comfortable doing interviews like this, to record a YouTube video or Instagram video. Because once you put yourself out there, it's almost like being yeah. an activist, right? You're out there. You can't hide anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, um, and if you are trying to hide, people will sniff you out. Right. Um, You know, once again, I'll use this as an example again, because I I think it it illustrates it um, the best. You know, people who earn 250K per year are having different conversations than people who are earning 100K. People who earn 100K are having different conversations than people who are earning 30K. You're having different problems. You're dealing with different issues. You're overcoming different things. So real ones know one. No other ones, right? That's we can true. smell you. Um, so, you know, when you get out here on these platforms, trust me, sooner or later, if you're really not about the life that you are professing and articulating, then um, you're going to have problems, right? So for me, growing in my own confidence in terms of, once again, understanding my value, understanding that all these receipts and all these people I've empowered, that that was important work that was being done. And really saying, okay, no, I deserve to be here. I deserve this success. You don't earning a million dollars and eating steak and and shrimp every single day because most of that is not real okay (laughs) Um, you don't have to be those things you can be you and it's not to say that you're good enough but if you're bringing value and you're helping people and you're committed to that growth process that i started with earlier um Mm -hmm. you do deserve to be uh, where you're at and have the best things in life and so for me reaching that point in my life was very 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 important Man, he dropped a lot of gems right there. That's really going to bless and help some people understand entrepreneurship. You know, we're having some type of technical difficulty. I can, I think you can hear me, but I can't hear you. You can't hear me? Huh, that's really weird. Okay. You hear me now? Yeah, I know. I'm in the show, but I'm not in it. (laughs) So... What I'm going to do, if I leave and come back, will it disrupt it? Um, you can work? try it and see. Because I'm trying something else now to make sure. Or, hold on. It. This is what I'm going to do. Give me one second. I know what I'm going to do. I am going to.
Personal hotspot. Still can't hear me. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. I don't see you. Huh. There you go. So I this is what you. I'm going to do. I'll see you now. I'm going to jump me? on on my other phone. Okay, you see me uh, now? So let's do this. Uh, you can tell I've had to deal with stuff like this in the past. So I keep the backup. Okay. Yeah, but for some reason, I just really lost you. Uh, so I'm going to go here. It's really weird. Okay. Gmail. Sorry about that, man. I don't oh, know. No problem. It's going to be on my end because um, I had these issues before with my Wi Fi. I paid my bill. <laughs> here it is. Join me in StreamYard. And where well, there's a will, there's a way. I'm going to fix this real yeah. quick. Yeah, that's really weird. Devil get mad. There we are. Here's the link. And all right, yeah, I hit the mic. Let me see if I can adjust my headset while I'm waiting on the other. Okay. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Wow. Yeah, I can't hear. What the world? I don't know what that's all about. Says I'm entering a broadcast studio. Says loading. Yeah, that's weird. Wow, my webcam access. Wow, that. No, I'm sending you another invite. And display name. You first. Okay. That. Inner studio. There, there we, we are. are. <laughs> okay. You good? You see? Yeah. Me? Yeah, man. It's always okay. good to have a backup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is, man. I don't know how that happened, but I'm glad to get it resolved. Okay. Okay. That's crazy. All right. Technology. All right. Here we go. All right. Cool. Can you hear me? Yep. Are you fine? You hear me? Okay, I'm speaking now. I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, All I'm right. saying that. That was a lot of great information that you was giving out for people to see what really happens going into entrepreneurship because it ain't always peaches and cream. It's a journey. And you learn a lot along the way. That's why you ask people the obstacles they face so a person can see whether you might want to go back to school or trade or start a business. You might face a challenge, but you can overcome it and learn from it. 
Okay, we're still breaking up a little bit. So what I'm doing is I'm logging back through on the other line. I can hear you and see you, but it's still not coming through clearly. Huh. Or should I say it's a lag? Okay. Because on my side, yeah, now I do so I'm log So I'm logging in again to the other line. Wow. Okay. So go here. I learned something new today. Yeah. Um, okay. So here it is. Um, so let's go here. Here it is. Okay. No, that's not it. Okay. There we go. Nine seventy six seventy. Oh, what happened to him? Oh, he totally left. What the world? Oh, there you go. All right. We're back. Okay, you hear me? Okay, I can hear you clearly now. Okay. Uh, now we are 100% back on. Okay, great. Okay. All right, figured I it have, out. Okay. Yeah, one more question. Sure. Um, what advice do you have for someone trying to find their purpose? Oh, um, number one, when I'm working with individuals who are trying to find their purpose, one of the first questions I'll ask is what are your core values? Okay. In other words, what are the things that matter most? What are the things that you are most passionate about? What are the things that give you energy? And when I say give you energy, it can be things that motivate and inspire to make you smile and laugh, right? Mm -hmm. um, I remember for me, Percy, early on, despite the fact that I had self-esteem issues early on, okay. um, uh, particularly in, in, in elementary and middle school, I attended a Catholic school where I was kind of one of the individuals that helped integrate it. It wasn't pretty, okay. it impacted my esteem. But a couple times while I was matriculating through that environment, I had the opportunity to speak on stage a couple times. Mm -hmm. And I remember how free I felt. I remember how good I felt. And I knew public speaking was gonna be in my future because of that. What are those things for you? What are those things that you can recall that give you energy where you feel alive while you're doing it? But you know what? What are those things that also, quite frankly, anger you? The question I ask a lot of entrepreneurs is what are the things that pissed you off? I mean, from the time that you were a youth, a child, where when you see it, when it goes down, you get the urge to jump out of your chair and do something. What are those things? What are your core values, right? 
And it's important to define that and really take time with this question because so often, once again, we're so concerned about what other people think and how other people feel about us. Look, if one of your core values, if nice things, watches, cars, houses, vacations, if those things motivate you, then that's you. Don't try to be other people. There's only one you, because you can't put your life's energies behind a compromise. If you're trying to compromise and be all things to other people, if you're trying to satisfy other people, you'll never be the best you can be. True. So what are your core values? If helping people, if serving people, um, if learning and being in environments that are intellectually stimulating, if these things are, these are the things that are exciting to you, if having fun and being voyeuristic or adventurous, if these things are core values of yours, define those things and be okay. Double down on you, okay? So that's the first question I ask. The next question I ask is, who do you want to serve? Who do you want to serve? When you close your eyes and you think about that avatar or that person or those persons, who do you want to serve? Because people don't pay five-star prices for White Castle. In order for you, no. So you have to give people five-star treatment to receive five-star compensation. And if you don't like the people, if you really don't want to serve people you're dealing with, it's going to be hard for you to learn what you need to learn, develop the talents you need to develop, make the investment you need to make to invest, to invest in the business to serve them. So number one, what are your values? Who do you want to serve? How do you want to serve? That's an important one too. How do you want to serve, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I know there are certain things that I do exceptionally well that I enjoy doing. I just enjoy it, right? Um, and, and when I'm looking at quote-unquote opportunities, when mm -hmm. I'm looking at things to involve myself in, that's the prism in which I view things. Okay. Is it in line with my values? Is it in line with my core focus? Is it in line with who and how I want to serve? And that's a lesson I learned early on, right? That's another lesson I guess I should have imparted. A lot of times when you're an entrepreneur, and if, especially if you're very talented, you'll find yourself doing a lot of different things because you can and because you can earn money doing that, right? It can be profitable. But you're not going to scale. You're not going to grow. You're not going to really develop a brand that really sticks out and differentiates yourself from the competition until you really dig into the things that are in alignment with your values, who you want to serve, how you want to serve, and what gives you energy, right? So when I'm talking to an entrepreneur and they're asking me, well, how do I start a business? Or what should I focus on? Or what's the best path for me? Those tend to be the questions that I ask of them. You know, one other question I would ask is, what is your signature worth? In other words, what are your guarantees? What are your guarantees? Um, if you remember 20 years ago, I'm dating myself, but over 20 years ago, remember there was no such thing as guaranteed delivery, right? You remember that? Oh. <laughs> there was no guaranteed delivery. Uh, no. pizza, it might come in two minutes, it might come in two hours. There was no guaranteed delivery. And then a company 
it wasn't very well known at the time called Domino's. Yeah. Introduced the ideal that we're going to guarantee that this pizza is going to arrive at this time. Yeah, they did. Or else we'd give you a free pizza. And that changed the game. It changed the marketplace, right? That guarantee is what put them on the map. It's what allowed them to leapfrog all their competitors to become the powerhouse and be the dominant force in the industry. And now fast forward 20 plus years today, look at all the different guarantees that these same pizza companies have. Five minutes, right? Yeah. And delivery guarantees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What are your guarantees? You know, which also should fall in line with how you want to serve. For me, because I'm a little bit of a nerd, because I value intellectual exchange and academic exercise, a question that I ask every single one of my clients, every single one of them, if I have a consulting relationship or some type of coaching or technical assistance relationship with them, the question mm-hmm. I ask them all the time is on a scale one through 10, one being, I don't know why I spent any time with you. I didn't learn anything today. You suck. You're a waste of time. Don't ever call me again. Ten being, what you share with me today changed my business. I know if I execute what you share with me, it's going to change the fabric and trajectory of my business in my life. Scale one through ten, tell me. And if a business owner does not give me a ten, I'm doing some serious evaluation of the conversation I have with them and whether or not I earned my money. Right. So that's my guarantee with a lot of entrepreneurs. And I tell them that my guarantee is as a result of the work that I'm doing, um, the trajectory of your business and your life is going to change each and every single time. Right. What are your guarantees? And those guarantees should be reflection of what? Once again, your value how you want to serve, what matters most to you, what's the end game, why are you, Why do you exist, what problem are you solving? And if you can answer those questions, you will find yourself in those answers and you will also find your competitive advantage in your business. Man, that's, wow, that's awesome. That's some Yoda old school knowledge you're giving out, man. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm glad it's being well accepted, man. I, I love this. This is beautiful. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to get back on here again. Talk about the state of stuff in Detroit with entrepreneur stuff. Is you more boots on the ground about what's really going on? And that'd be a good well, conversation. I, I know what I know, right? Um, ironic enough, I am thinking about having a conversation with several business owners and creating a forum very similar to kind of talk about it. Right. Because there are a lot of demographic changes that are occurring right now that is going to impact, uh, in particular, African-American entrepreneurs, but the choice entrepreneurs in general mm-hmm. in a major way. Um, what transpired during the pandemic? Um, and let me, let me preface what I'm going to say is this. For those individuals who lost their businesses, for those individuals who lost family members, friends, for people whose lives were impacted in an irreparable way. Number one, condolences, greatest empathies. You're in my thoughts and prayers, whether I know you or not, right? Amen. On the flip side of that, what I will also say is this pandemic was a huge distraction in terms of what transpired. 
we saw one of the greatest wealth transfers in world history occur. During this time, we saw companies quadruple um, their values in terms of the, their valuations literally were off the charts. We had companies' valuations grow by over a thousand percent, right? While we literally saw small business America take it on the chin, right? Um, and for me, especially being here in Detroit, it's very important because we know the majority of American citizens don't work at corporations. They work in small businesses. It's the same thing in our community. I remember as a child, I knew I was going to be involved in entrepreneurship growing up where I grew up. I remember when the family would take me out of those environments and we would go places that were wealthier, more affluent. And I remember the kids staring out the window. And one of the things that I saw, one of the things that immediately caught my attention was it was obvious to me that the environments that we were in, where the houses were bigger and nicer and the, and the lawns were more manicured and there was like an energy and a vibration. One thing they all had in common is they had vibrant, growing, successful small businesses. True. Right? That is true. And so what transpired during the pandemic in terms of a lot of these entrepreneurs and business owners being erased is a problem. It's a problem because if we don't employ each other, there's not enough space at corporations to make to take up the gap. It's just not. Right? Um so those things concern me. You know, the other thing that concerns me that I would love to have a conversation about, I'm just giving you ideals, right? Um, look, is, man, we have a lot of jewels in the city. We have a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that have accomplished some really impressive things. I mean, we have people in the fashion industry. People oftentimes talk about the music industry. We have entrepreneurs in the fashion industry that have, traveled the world I didn't know and that. served and serve wealthy individuals serve monarchs i mean serve some really wow. impressive people and they're right here in the city of detroit no love no love i need them on the we show have, yeah we have individuals in the city um that have done some incredible things in athletics have been have have, have sold into athletes that we see on the television set today um, and very rarely do we give them their flowers. Um, there are businesses that I, quite frankly, I look at as royalty here in the city. You know, ask yourself, how many African Americans actually own commercial property downtown Detroit? There's only I, a few. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'll be real with you. Um, one of them, you know, I'll, I'll give, I'll give a shout out. I'm going to give someone their flowers. Miss Sharon Madison. Three generations, architects, engineers, commercial property owners. She's one of the few African-Americans that actually owns a commercial property downtown Detroit. Man, that's historical. Wow. She's a gem. Okay. We need to give her her flowers. You know, one of the biggest issues we have in the um, community here is we're not doing that enough. Too many of our... Um, musicians our artists even our entrepreneurs have to leave the city get it in to come back to get their flowers that's a problem that's true. because yeah, we don't promote you know it's so much pettiness right i don't care if i like you or not mr jeffrey edwards i did not base my attendance on this show and whether or not i'm going to promote you moving forward based on whether or not you and i got along 
as long as you have a value prop that's helping people and helping people level up, I'm going to promote your show. I'm going to promote what you're doing. It's so much pettiness. It, you know, I, I tell people all the time, if you're, look, if you're holding people down, if you're pushing people down, do you understand that means your back is bent? That means you're down with them? In order to put someone down, you got to be down with them. We yeah. need to build taller buildings. You need to be lifting each other up, right? If somebody's doing good work, if they're helping people, if they're making an impact in people's lives, we need to give them our flowers. I'm so sick of being on, quite frankly, podcasts like this, watching podcasts, watching shows, and I'm not mad at them, but I see these entrepreneurs in Atlanta, New York, Los Angeles, uh, Miami, and these other markets, and they are working together, and they're promoting each other, and they're putting each other on, and they're growing each other. We need to do that. We need more of that here. So, man, whatever happened in high school, <laughs> whatever happened in college, whatever happened, you know, 50 million years ago with you and somebody else, if they are an entrepreneur crushing it and getting it in and helping people, we have to start giving each other our flowers. Got to work together. And so as we all rise. All right, because I, I know you have a certain time limit on this. And I can go. Well, hey, no. That topic alone. Hey, no, no, no. Go. no, no, no. This show is all about the guests and whatever they need to say. I'm going to ask basic <laughs> questions. I'll ask them advice to help someone. Whatever they need to say, promote. This show is about them. It's about you. Well, I, I accept that. I accept that. I also want to make sure that I serve you, though, right? Because I know there's certain things you want to cover, certain things you wanted to get out of this for okay, your yeah. audience. Yeah. Yeah, you, we, we good. Good. I just come up with some basic questions, but the show is all about promoting the guests. Because you yeah. ain't got to share your journey to help somebody. So I'm humble That's that very true. the guests do that. So if there's other topics you want to hit on, bring light to, <laughs> what about you, man? <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I mean, guys, there's so much, man. If you can't tell, I'm really passionate about I think about this. I sleep, I eat, drink it. Um, I, I think about the challenges that entrepreneurs are having mm -hmm. um, and, and what we can do as entrepreneurs, as participants in this ecosystem to help each other out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I love this show because, once again, I know you're putting on other entrepreneurs. You know, a lot of what happens in our community is that other entrepreneurs don't even really know who the experts are. We don't even know who the proven commodities are. We don't even know, right? That's shout out um, Tisha Hammond. She put me on with these names to reach out to. Yeah, but and Tisha Hammond's incredible. She's a jewel, phenomenal individual, um, great heart, serious. Yeah, it's not a game. You know, we had a lot of people in our community do a lot of this. <laughs> They'll talk, and, uh -huh. and she's not one of them. She's about she's about that work. So mm -hmm. I'm really glad that you connected with her, and she are she is putting you on. But that's that's a challenge that we have. You know, um, I had a business owner give me a call the other day. She has a space off of Livernois. Okay, spent a lot of money refurbishing it. Spent a lot of money beautifying it. Um, she's deciding she wants to take the business in a different direction. She's not really utilizing the space that frequently. Okay. And she wants the space to be available to other entrepreneurs. Um, her name is um, Aja Kebe, right? Um, and she called me up the other day. She says, Mr. Buford, you know, 
I want people to know about my space. Where should I promote it? You know, is there people I can talk to that talk to other business in these spaces? And I sat for like a minute and I said to myself, my God, how, what, how will we go about doing that? Right? Um, I'll tell you, there's an online uh, publication, inc.com, inc.com. And one of the things I really, really like about Inc.com is because I used to go there, still do. I, I frequent it sometimes now. I used to frequent it a lot. But mm -hmm. if I just kind of wanted to know what other entrepreneurs were doing, okay. if I wanted to know what resources were available, if I wanted to know how to accomplish certain things, I would just go there. Right? If I just needed to kind of quickly do a summary search for some information i would go there and a lot of times i would find it it's not the way it used to be but it was still a great resource i, I oftentimes thought to myself what if we have something like that here in detroit metro right be awesome um it'd be awesome you know what we do you're already aware of the fact our online blog next op social we try to accomplish a lot of that we try to put on as many entrepreneurs as possible we try to highlight their achievements the work they're doing in the community we attempt to give them a platform to tell their story as well Mm -hmm. um but we need more of that we need it scaled out you know what i'm saying and and, and in particular we need it for entrepreneurs who have not gotten on yet because here's the thing oftentimes once entrepreneurs get on they don't want to share their ugly duckling stories <laughs> yeah you got to share it all man they want to they want to behave as if they've always been <laughs> the ished right yeah. no bs.com exists in their lives yeah. um so for me, I think there's value, of course, because you want to have something to aspire to. You want to know that people who look like you and hail from the same environments you hail from are getting it in. But you also want to catch people on the come up. Mm -hmm. You want to catch them in their ugly duckling stage or fresh off their ugly duckling stage where they can speak intelligently about what they're going through right then and there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can sense you're doing that here as well. So I love it. Um, but that's what I would love to see, man. Like, we have so much talent in the city. We have so many true. people who really care about what's transpiring. It's just we're not doing a good enough job of putting them on and shining a spotlight on them. And as a result, it's depressing the environment, right? So, you know, as I said before, when I started, what you're doing is, like, so invaluable. I don't, you know, someone asked me before I did the podcast, what are you doing going to the podcast for? I said, man... Look, there's competition where you're trying to tear other people down. Um, and then there's competition where because you are competing and you are trying to get better, you complete each other. There's a difference, mm -hmm. right? When you're competing, people trying to hold them down versus competing with them like, hey, I'm looking at what you're doing. I could be doing that better. You're looking at what I'm doing. We can do that better. Well, we complete each other. We force each other to level up, right? And so Absolutely. I know there's a paucity of shows like yours. There's a paucity of initiatives like the ones I'm involved in. We need more of that. We need to feed off each other. We do need to compete and complete each other a little bit more, right? We do need to be more aware. Stop holding things close to the vest. Because, look, this, in this social media world, trust me, everyone's doing what you're doing. There ain't too many original ideas. There's not much new underneath the sun. It's just how it's being done. Right. That's so true. 
instead of trying to put everyone else on, how about we do that for ourselves? I agree. Well spoken, man. Well spoken. Yeah. I definitely- so yeah, man. I I appreciate the talk. Um, <laughs> hey, I appreciate you for sharing. Someone's gonna hear this that might start turning that ball in that direction to help it out more. Some of the issues you brought up. That's my I love point. it. I love it. Well, you know, you know, I'll say it for you. Um, for your guests listening, smash the like button. You know, share on this content. Uh, Mr. Jeffrey Edwards is providing an invaluable resource. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, um, I know my website is there scrolling on the bottom. The easiest way really to find me is Catch J.S. Buford. That's my blog. That's kind of like okay. my handle. Um, so if you put in Catch, like literally C-A-T-C-H-J-S Buford, um, you'll, you'll find almost everything out there. Um, okay. But... You know, we definitely have to do this again. We have to have, um, I mean, even some things perhaps offline where we can create synergy and interaction with aspiring entrepreneurs and, oh, that's, and uh, put more, yeah, put more of us, put, put each other in spaces where we can really um, interact and, and, and engage and, and do the things we need to do to make this ground more fertile because nobody's coming to save us. I hope people understand that. Oh, no. <laughs> no one's coming to save us. No. Right. We got we got we got to get in here for ourselves. Yes. Got to put the work in. Yep. Well, I definitely want to thank the founder of the JSB Business Solutions Group, Jawan Buford, for his time on the show. All the information to anybody trying to find your purpose, start a business, whatever you're trying to do. Information he gives us in value. I appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Until next time, everybody. Ended out.